name is Amanda. And I'm Kristen. And, and we are the Extra Sisters. Sisters. So sit back, relax, and let's get creepy. Welcome to another Haunted Happy Hour. And in this one, we are actually going to be talking about something a little different. I think we've done a couple of things that were like, this is going to be a little different <laughs> this year. Right. But we got to keep it interesting, you know what I mean? So exactly. in this one, we're going to talk about scary gods and deities. And scary might be relative. So I guess this is also kind of like mythology. But is it? Do we know? Exactly. I don't know. Is it? And the underworld and all of that. Yeah. So we put this on the schedule because we were kind of talking about obviously, you know, gods and God and religion and all of that is spooky to me personally. And so it just kind of stemmed out from there. And we always seem to talk about religion and stuff and other cultures and religions and mythology. So we thought it'd be interesting to get some of the more like, vicious ones if you will or wrathful ones or you know from different cultures so we're going to talk about a couple things that we pulled from different cultures and societies often ancient ones just Mm -hmm. at least in my research i'm sure in yours as well and so this is going to be a kind of more a dive into ancient cultures and gods so if that is something that interests you Keep on listening. And if it doesn't, you should still keep on listening because it is interesting. (laughs) (laughs) You might find some things that you don't know. None of mine are Greek either. I don't think. So this isn't like Zeus or like things you've probably heard of, I would hope. So we kind of diverted a little bit away from that because those are so well done. Like when I was looking at it, it was like, Loki is scary. God of mischief. Right, exactly. True, but also like everybody knows. Everybody knows that. Yeah, exactly. So we tried to stay away from some of those things so that you wouldn't be hearing a bunch of repeat information, kind of like we did with the serial killer episode. So we're going to go through these. Kristen has a lot more than I do because, Kristen, why don't you tell them a little bit about something that you're interested in just as a whole? So I have, since I was nine years old, been obsessed with Egypt. So I found like one creepy Egyptian god in my research and then it turned into like 12. No, I'm joking. There's there's only six of them, but <laughs> I do have five Egyptian gods because there were 2,000 yeah. gods in well, the Egyptian pantheon. Imagine, first of all, Egyptian... I mean, I don't know much about, I'm not going to lie, Egypt, but as one of the, if not the... I don't think it's it's not the first, is it? Or is it the first? Like civilized society, like civilized. It was not the first civilization. It was Mesopotamia, right? Or no? Yeah, Mesopotamia was Babylon and Assyria, and all of those came together to in that area. Okay, so, but with Egypt, I mean, we have so much rich culture because it's one of the first that we actually have writing and research. You know, like they and the longest, exactly, thousand years. Exactly. So obviously they're going to have very rich history and religious history. So, and aliens, you know? (laughs) Right. Exactly. So, you know, so go ahead. I only have a few because it's actually a harder subject to research in my opinion than you might think. Yeah, these aren't very long stories. You won't get like the long serial killer ones like we had. These are much shorter, especially because there's no, you know, firsthand witness accounts that we can do like with the sea monsters or anything like that. This is just basically what people thought about them, what they prayed to them for, things like that. So I'm going to start out with my 
only Greek one before I delve into Egypt. And she's it's a very short little passage on her. And the reason I wanted to do it is because she, Greek, Hecate, and she is the god or goddess of witchcraft, which is pretty fucking cool. Oh, yeah, that is cool. Yeah. So, Hecate. She is variously associated with crossroads, entranceways, night, light, magic, witchcraft, knowledge of herbs and poisonous plants, ghosts, necromancy, and sorcery, which is fucking cool. Yeah. Thanks to her association with boundaries and the liminal spaces between worlds, Hecate is also recognized as an underworld goddess. As the holder of the keys that can unlock the gate between realms, she can unlock the gates of death. Like Hermes, Hecate takes on the role of guardian, not just of roads, but of all journeys, including the journey to the afterlife. In art and mythology, she is known, along with Hermes, about guiding Persephone back from the underworld with her torches. Which, that's cool, because we've always heard that story, and Hermes helping Persephone out. We never didn't realize that the goddess of witchcraft was part of it. Yeah. A witchcraft invocation by a witch for Hecate, and this is what they said. Persephone, who is the third and lowest aspect of Hecate, the goddess we witches revere, and describes her as a rotting goddess with a pallid, decaying body who has to wear a mask when she visits the gods in heaven. That's you it. mean she wears a mask? Interesting. I'm just kidding. <laughs> if That's I what was I'm saying, people. <laughs> yeah, if I was a goddess like more so than I already am. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, if I was a goddess, I would definitely want to be like, maybe not the goddess of the underworld, but one that could pass freely into the underworld. If that makes sense, you know, like, right. like, a like Hermes or like her. Yes, exactly. Like someone that bridged the living and the dead that, um, that's me as fuck. Like I love that shit. Yeah, so I didn't talk about them in this, but in my research, I found a whole group of gods that were from the same parents of night and darkness, I think, were their parents. It, it was It's Greek still, and they were the parents of death, sleep, hypnosis, uh, bad feelings, all of the... Uh, and why I bring that up is because they were actually also the parents of Charon, who is the one who shepherds the dead. And thought that was a really cool family history, but I didn't get a chance to actually write all of it down. That's badass. See, I would love to shepherd the dead because I feel like, yeah, it sounds scary, but like, unless you are like a spooky shepherd of the dead, I would want to be like the kind, like, hi, I know this is scary, but I'm here to help you cross. You know what I mean? Like, right. Let me, let me help you get from here to there. And unfortunately <laughs> the underworld might be spooky, but let me like guide you this way. Right. Cause otherwise everybody just wandering around in purgatory. So like, let me help you this way. We're going to go to the dead now. Yeah. But sadly, especially in these ancient cultures, we didn't have a lot of happy people going to the underworld. No. Or at least helpful. Yeah. There wasn't like the whole like ascending thing. It was all mm. like, you know, what you see in like the Hercules cartoon with like misery <laughs> and pain, you know, and Hades. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, the underworld wasn't a great place, which we will talk about with a few other gods and goddesses and even like one of mine is like a deity went to the underworld herself like you know mm -hmm, it's not exactly. like just humans went to the underworld to suffer so yeah 
I mean, but as we think of heaven and hell as like, let's say a, a Christian Western society, you know, like helping people get there. Like, unfortunately, I have to take you downstairs, but let me help you. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, let me get you to the secretary of hell. Then they'll help you from there. <laughs> exactly. All right. So that was my only non-Egyptian one. So let's delve into the world of Egypt and the creepy gods that they have. Okay. And I'm sorry, because even though I love Egypt, I'm going to massacre a lot of these names. Sheshmu. Sheshmu was a god with a contradictory personality. On one hand, he was the lord of perfume, maker of all precious oil, lord of the oil press, lord of ointments, and lord of wine. He was a celebration deity, like the goddess Meret. Old Kingdom texts mention a special feast celebrated for Sheshmu. Young men would press grapes with their feet and then dance and sing for him. On the other hand, Sheshmu was very vindictive and bloodthirsty. He was also lord of blood, great slaughterer of the gods, and he who dismembers bodies. Hmm. So I was partying. <laughs> yeah, I was with him up until after, right after Lord of Blood. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> right. He who dismembers bodies. All right. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. In Old Kingdom Pyramid texts, several prayers asked Sheshmu to dismember and cook certain deities in an attempt to give the food to a deceased king. The, de- the deceased king needed the divine powers to survive the dangerous journey to the stars. However, the interpretation remains open if the word blood is to be taken literally as the ancient Egyptians symbolically offered red wine as the blood of the gods to several deities. This association was based simply on the dark red color of the wine, a circumstance that led to connections of Sheshmu with other deities who could appear in red colors. Examples include deities such as Ra, Horus, and Kerdi. Violent character of Sheshmu made him a protector among the companions of Ra's nocturnal Barak. Sheshmu protected Ra by threatening the demons and brawling with them. In the pyramid texts, he does similar things. It appears that starting in the New Kingdom, Sheshmu's negative attributes became gradually overshadowed by the positive ones. Although on the 21st dynasty papyri, his wine press appears to be filled with human heads in hmm. place of grapes. <laughs> later, I know. <laughs> then later on the 26th dynasty sarcophagus of divine Adaris, uh, wow, nope, can't. Sorry you guys. On someone's sarcophagus <laughs> that is very long. Sheshmu is recorded as a fine oil maker for the god Ra, and even later during the Greco-Roman period, the manufacturer of the finest oils and perfumes for the gods became Sheshmu's primary role. So it looks like yeah, he definitely got a lot nicer throughout time, but still had gold is full of heads sometimes you know sometimes it's all about balance (laughs) (laughs) you know i'm learning that trying to like go through uh to just you know we get personal over here y'all know a lot about me you know when you're trying to treat let's say you know like an eating disorder you gotta have balance you know some days you binge and some days you do great some days you have heads and some days you don't you know it's it's about it's all about balance any good therapist will tell you you have good days and bad days some days you have heads and some days you don't and i'm putting that on a bumper sticker and nobody will know what it means except for you guys and we don't have a merch store but if we did putting it in there it'd be on there (laughs) some days you have heads and some days you don't it's called balance (laughs) perfect yeah so i think so about the god raw i know that we're not talking about raw at the moment but (laughs) i don't know i'm sure you know about raw because you're an egypt person 
I don't know shit about Raw, but all I know is I watched The Prince of Egypt when I was a kid, <laughs> and it scarred me for life. And that You're was terrified of God. Yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> so, <laughs> and it started with Prince of Egypt. Are you serious? The little I'm, cartoon? I'm pretty sure. I literally, you know how like when you have very specific memories from childhood that you can yeah. only boil down to it must have been traumatic because that's the only <laughs> reason it still comes up. Yeah. I literally remember my first time watching Prince of Egypt and I probably, it was like in my old house when I lived in Garland, Texas. Which we moved from that house when I was like seven and it was years before that. So I couldn't have been more than like five years old. Why do I remember the first time I saw Prince of Egypt? Because it was traumatic. That's why. <laughs> and all I remember was him going raw and then like doing something spooky and then magically. <laughs> and then and then God coming in and taking the breath of the firstborn or whatever. And then I was yeah. like, God is mean and scary. And we'll get to that later in this episode. <laughs> And that's why I've had a problem with religion my entire life. It started when I was a very, very, very young child. God was scary. I remember sitting in the pews, literally, and being like, Jesus is cool. God is fucking <laughs> terrifying without the fucking. Nice. Mean. Correct. Nice mean. <laughs> and that's why, even as like a three-year-old child, I guess I was too smart for my... I'm not trying to be like, <laughs> I was gifted. No, I was... It was bad. I was... It was I, bad. I literally, my mom and my dad just wanted to raise a sweet Protestant child, and I was like, oh, I'm scared. <laughs> like, no, <laughs> your God is scary. Anyways, and then I went to church camp, and one of my friends, Ashley, and I was like, this is stupid. If there's a God, just smite me now. And she looked oh at me, God. and she was like, oh, God. <laughs> She's like stepping away from you. Like, don't get me. Yeah. I mean, she was not necessarily in like disagreement. Like, neither one of us wanted to be there, but she wasn't the one going, smite me now until she wasn't she, one asking for it i mean she was laughing and then she kind of like repeated it but yeah i mean you know like <laughs> i guess i'm a bad influence i don't know anyways so the one that i have actually comes up i had learned about this because i had looked into aztec and mayan culture but the god the first god that i have is Huitzilopochtli is how you pronounce it according to the audio that I had to listen to to pronounce it. So, God bless you. Thank Jeez. you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, Huitzilopochtli is from the Aztec culture. And this is the, it's an Aztec deity. I guess it's more of a deity than it is a god, but deities are born of gods. So, it's like an extension. This is the deity of war, sun, human sacrifice, and is a patron of the city. Oh, God. Tenochtitlan. I literally, I know you guys are, like, correcting me. I'm so sorry because this is a very well-known Aztec city. But, yes, that patron of that city. I'm so sorry. Teotitlan. Yes. Thank you. That one. You're welcome. I'm not saying it again. I'm going to call You're on good. Kristen. <laughs> <laughs> he was primarily known as the god of war in ancient Mexico. He was the smallest, the one of the origin stories. There are several origin stories. I'm assuming as we translated or throughout time or Aztec culture was expansive. So it also could have been different, you know, but you know, uh, yeah, yeah. There, there are different origin stories. So one of them was that he was the smallest of four sons and his parents instructed him to bring order to the world. Together, him and one of his siblings created fire 
the first male and female humans, the earth, and the sun. So he done did a lot of things. Yeah, geez. Yeah. That's one of them. Another origin story tells of a fierce goddess. Now, this one is especially, like, we're talking about spookier gods or fierce gods or deities. The Another story tells of a fierce goddess being impregnated as she was sweeping by a ball of feathers on Mount Coatepec or Serpent Hill near Hidalgo. Her other children who were already full grown were the 400 male, God, I, I'm so sorry, I cannot say that word. They're deities and another female deity. These children, <laughs> angered by the manner by which their mother became impregnated, conspired to kill her. Jesus. And this deity that we be talking about burst forth from his mother's womb in full armor and already fully grown. Or in other terrifying. Yeah, or in other versions, burst forth from the womb and immediately put on his gear. He attacked his older brothers and sisters, defending his mother by beheading his sister and casting her body from the mountaintop. Jesus. Uh-huh. Yep. He also chased after his brothers who fled from him and became scattered all over the sky. He is seen as the sun in mythology, while his many male siblings are perceived as the stars and his sister as the moon. In the Aztec worldview, this is the reason why the sun is constantly changing, the, is constantly chasing the moon and the stars. It is also why it is important to provide tribute to him as sustenance for the sun. If he did not have enough strength to battle his siblings, they would destroy their mother and thus the world. So, basically, why he's so spooky is what do you think you had to do to keep him sustained? Uh, let's see. The Aztecs, human sacrifice. Correct. Yes. <laughs> that is. Isn't it interesting, though, like mythology-wise, how different cultures are? Yes. Yes. So you have uh, the Greeks, you have the Aztecs. That's crazy. Yes. And one of the things that uh, when Brad and I went to Mexico last November, we toured Chichen Itza. And they actually still had one of the areas where they performed human sacrifices standing. And I know I've talked about this before and it just still pisses me off every time I think about it, but <laughs> especially like, you know, I, obviously this is a place where people tour and they walk by and they take pictures and blah, blah, blah. And that's fine. I'm, I'm just, it couldn't be me, you know, like I just, <laughs> yes, I walked around and I like took pictures, but the uh, just, like they walked past like it was nothing. So many people or like took pictures of them like holding up the pyramid and I'm like, or it's not really a pyramid, but you know, it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Chichen Itza. And I was like, okay, that's fine or whatever. I'm not dogging on you if you've done, actually I am. Yes, I am. I'm dogging on <laughs> you if you did that. But I guess if you stood there long enough to take it all in. But what really got me was the people that were taking like a picture, like with their arms spread out where they did human sacrifices. Yeah. See, those are the people that don't understand that that's people fucking died there terribly. And, but the thing is too, I still have pictures. They literally, it's got, it's carved in with human heads on stakes. It's not like it's subtle, you know, that's where that they literally were more like, it's literal. it's not like you don't know what's happening there. You know what I'm it saying? It makes me so upset. I want to go there so bad. And these motherfuckers who don't appreciate it. Whatever. Just whatever. Correct. Yes. Yes. But yeah. So he needed his nourishment in the form of sacrifices to ensure that the sun would survive. And so that's that's basically what the myth was or their 
you know, their religion was to him. And they even had a festival to do that. So, yeah, they did a lot of those during this festival. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, it was I a whole thing during the festival. Captives and slaves were brought forth and slain ceremoni- ceremoniously. Every 52 years, there was this ceremony, basically, and they feared the world would end as, you know, the four creations of their legends had. They had, you know, the sun and the moon, all they had, and they had to feed them. And all that could feed them was human blood. And that would postpone the end of the world for another 52 years. And so, yeah, it was only 52 years. That wasn't all the sacrifices they did, but every 52 yeah. years, it was like it was like a week-long a celebration massacre. Thing. It was just, yeah, it was awful. Wow. So, Jesus. yeah, because of this deity that they had to basically sustain. So, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that's cool, but like I said, all these different stories are cool. It's so interesting. And honestly, if you look up this one in particular, there are so many legends and myths. I just barely scratched the surface. But the reason I have it on there is because it's super, like, the amount of human sacrifice that had to go into basically (laughs) sustaining this deity was astronomical. Like, (laughs) And this is only one of their deities. Aztec culture, I do not believe this was the only one that they had to provide human sacrifice for i just think this was the one where they were like we got to give him a lot like this is the sign you know so that i mean aztec and mayan culture is very interesting and the mayans they did a lot of human sacrifice specifically what i was looking at at chichen itza they did that sacrifice and sometimes the at least the tour guys were telling us that it wouldn't even necessarily always be to gods. Sometimes it would just be as a ceremony because they would capture their enemies and then stake them right there just to put them on display. Just for exciting. Uh-huh. Look at what we did. And for their enemies' armies to see that they were staking mm, them. Yeah, and they would leave too. them on oh, that pedestal, basically, that big stone pedestal. So they would just leave them staked in basically the center of the community, which was right next to, or not right next to, but it was basically, well, it was pretty close to where they would play their sport like the sports pitch so Mm -hmm. they were like we stake them here and we play sports there it's gotta be a patriarchal society because like a woman-headed society wouldn't like that sounds all like big dick competition shit (laughs) i mean you know they did say king i or (laughs) yeah i mean in the mayan i believe it was patriarchy uh, at least what it sounded like when they were teaching us about it when we were on the tour. So, and they, they did some, they didn't know what they were talking about. It wasn't just like one of them, like, you know, gimmicky tour guides. It was, it was a pretty legit thing. They had artifacts and they, they knew their shit. And one of them even knew the language. He had oh, Mayan, cool. like Mayan roots. His family knew the language, brought him up on it. So yeah, he was from the area. So yeah, but That's that was, yeah, it was a super interesting trip. I highly recommend Chichen Itza if you get to do that area. We went to Playa del Carmen, stayed in a resort, and then it wasn't very far. So, highly recommend. Anyways. If we're ever allowed to go anywhere again. Correct. Wear your mask. <laughs> right. Right. So, my next one is Ati. 
The goddess Ati is possibly the most weird and maladjusted of all Egyptian deities as to the combination of animals by which she is built. Little of her is known except from depictions and her personality was said to be spiteful. Hippos had always represented disorder and strength and was feared by people, and her body was made from this heavy creature. The small head isn't easy to identify at first with horns like an antelope fashion plus big eyes. But in fact, this is a wasp with antennas. So body of a hippo, head of a wasp. Um, those are both terrifying things. Like if you Yeah, uh, right. No. Mm-mm. Who the fuck decided to put those together? Yeah. This animal had a bad reputation among people due to its irritating sting, which could be dangerous to small children. Combined with the fearful and disorderly hippopotamus, this goddess had a character leaning towards evilness. Some bugs were not popular as object in art, with two exceptions, the honey-giving bee and the always-present housefly. Ati's provenance is not known, and she had understandably no place in amulets and such, and was seldom depicted. Well, yeah, nobody wants to frickin' pray to a god of evil. Um... Okay, I'll give you that. <laughs> I don't pray to anything, but yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah. No, like, that's fucking creepy. That is nightmare material. Hippo and a wasp head. Yeah, especially because hippos kill so many people and wasps have no good reason to be here. <laughs> exactly. I know that I keep diverting things to things that are not related, but... Oh my god. This, okay, it's about wasps, Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Did I tell you about the fig thing? The fig thing? Okay, no. great. All right. I, <laughs> great. I am in some vegan groups on Facebook. And I will be the first one to say that while I am a vegan, vegans are crazy. Okay. <laughs> I have so much respect for vegans, obviously. But like, sometimes I sit there and I read these things in these groups and I'm like, <sighs> Like, there was one that was like, I, I, uh, my prescription for my glasses got better since I've been plant based. And I'm like, oh, you're changing your corneas and your eyeball shape now? You're fucking lying. Uh, but <laughs> this, wow. yeah, there was a whole thread about them arguing about whether eating figs was vegan or not. And let me tell you why. I have a fig bar almost every morning for breakfast, by the way, and I'm still vegan because apparently, and I did not look into the validity of this at all. I was just reading this ridiculous thread. Apparently, figs, much like Venus flytraps, consume wasp larvae. So technically, they eat wasp. And I guess if you eat fig, you can consume wasp. And so that doesn't make you a vegan. And I was like, good, fuck the wasp. Wow. Yeah. But also, I'll eat some wasp. Fuck them. I'll give a shit. Right? Like, I'm not going to go for that first and foremost, but in Apocalypse, I'll be eating some bugs. Right. Well, they were like, you know that crunch you get with a fig? It's wasp. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's fig. Have you ever seen a fig? (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever seen one? Oh, my God. Now, every time my fig bar crunches, I'm like, am I eating wasp? (laughs) I bet. Now it's going to be in your head forever. I know. Those sons of bitches. I know. I still eat them, but yeah, I know. But you're terrified every time. I know. Every time I crunch, I'm like, am I eating wasp body? Are you going to get a wing? (laughs) I know. But also, if I did, I'd be like, that's right. (laughs) That's That's right. right. (laughs) Tell your friends. (laughs) That's on behalf of the world. We're all tired of your shit. Bees can stay. You need to fuck off. (laughs) This is on behalf of 2020, bitch. Tell your friends. Jesus, right? 
murder hornets. We're not even uh, dealing with wasps anymore. Get out. I know. You do nothing for the planet. Nothing! <laughs> oh, says human beings. Whoops. Right. Ain't do shit. <laughs> Ain't do shit for the poor earth. No. Uh-uh. Ain't do nothing. Anyways. Alright, 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 alright. Keep going, keep going. Next god, next god. Next god. Amit, devourer of the dead. Ooh, neat. Amit was a demoness and goddess in ancient Egypt's Egyptian religion with a body that was part lion, hippopotamus, and crocodile. The three largest man-eating animals known to ancient Egyptians. So, yeah, damn. A funerary deity, her titles include Cluted, Devourer of the Dead, Eater of Hearts, and Great of Death. Amit lived near the Scales of Justice in Duat, the Egyptian underworld, in the Hall of Two Truths. Anubis weighed the heart of a person against the feather of Ma'at, the goddess of truth, which was depicted as an ostrich feather. The feather was often pictured in Ma'at's headdress. If the heart was judged to be not pure, Amat would devour it, and the person undergoing judgment was not allowed to continue their voyage towards Osiris and immortality. Once Amat swallowed the heart, the soul is believed to become restless forever. This was called to die a second time. Just one is fine, thank you. <laughs> See, I love Egypt. I was always that person. I wanted to be mummified. I want to go through the whole process, all of that. Well, hopefully when COVID is all over, things will settle down and you can go on your Egypt trip. Oh my God, I would kill for that. But I actually think they're getting ready to start a war with Libya. So that'll be fun. Yeah, maybe wait till that's over. Hopefully the pyramids <laughs> will still be there. Yeah. Uh, hopefully. Maybe. We'll see. That would be horrifying. Oh, I mean, bet me. This is the generation that'll fucking drop a nuke on my Great Pyramids. Uh, the boomers? Shh, right? Yeah. It ain't gonna be us. We respect, like, I don't know. Because, you know what? That's a conversation for another day. <laughs> right, that's true. That's true. That's true. Gen Zers? Like, I know that's not us. Like, we were like, let's start some shit. Like, this shit's fucked up. And Gen Zers, the ones after us, they're like, oh, I'll fight a cop. Give them to me. <laughs> We're like, yes, <laughs> go. <laughs> right, basically, you, yeah. You do the thing. We're like, yeah, we need to fuck up, fuck shit up. Like, we need to change things. And then they're like, oh, yeah, we're ready. Well, that's true because our generations are getting out of that we want to go fight a war thing. And their generation is in that. Yeah, exactly. They are. Like, I've been reading a lot of things about, like, you know, Gen Z, the one younger than us, they, we like started it. They're going to finish it. Like for sure. Like the, we were like, shit's fucked up and we need to pay attention. And they're like, I'm ready. <laughs> so that makes it should like, honestly, I know that you're not like on all the apps and stuff that I am like, they're fucking yeah. pissed. Like we thought we were pissed. They're, they're yeah. pissed her. Like they are going hard. So that's good because if we're fucked, they're fucked even exactly. All, all kinds of exactly. Shit. So claps for Gen Z. We're here for you. <laughs> <laughs> right. We got you. You got us. Let's do this. Anyway, <laughs> so this is actually, I, it's more of a spirit in Hindu mythology. So Hindu mythology Ooh. is a little different. So I was looking for gods and deities and I found this one and it didn't, I put it on my list anyways. It's more of a demon spirit. So I guess I should save it for a demon thing, but it was already on my list and I was already into it. So it's going on this one. So sorry about you. Oh my God. 
really quick to interrupt. Yeah. This is great. Because yeah. we just talked about how I loved Egypt. I wanted to go through all that as a kid. Now as an adult, I'm like, I want to be a Hindu. I believe in that. Dude, it's kind of cool. So. It's fucking cool. This right? one's going to scare you. I'm so but... interested. Oh, all right. God. This is about the Vitala, and they describe it as a vampire-like djinn from Hindu mythology. So, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. You thought I'd be creeped out, vampire? Well, yeah. Okay, I mean, I'm sure there's more. It's kind of more like a zombie, in my opinion, but you know, we'll see. In Hindu folklore, the Vitala is an evil spirit who haunts cemeteries and takes demonic possession of corpses. So. It's like an undead. I guess you could say vampire. Like a necromancer? Well, kind of. They make their displeasure known by troubling humans. They can drive people mad, kill children, and cause miscarriages. Oh, jeez. Yeah. That's not They're great. fucked up. But they also guard villages, so yay. <laughs> They're like, we do all this. We do one thing, though. If we like you, we'll give you one good thing. They are hostile spirits of the dead trapped in the twilight zone between life and the afterlife. These creatures can be repelled by the changing of mantras. One can free them from their ghostly ex- existence by performing their funerary rites. Being unaffected by the laws of space and time, they have an uncanny knowledge about the past, present, and future, and a deep insight into human nature. Therefore, many sorcerers seek to capture them and turn them into slaves, which... Why? That is some... I know that we're not talking yeah. about white people, but if you were to make a Conjuring movie about this, that would be some white people shit right there. That's <laughs> the shit that you call the Warrens on, and true. they're like, what did you do? And they were like, well, we had this evil spirit, and we decided we wanted it to be a slave. And they're like, <sighs> why? <laughs> a sorcerer once asked King Vikramat... Oh, God, I'm so sorry. See, I can't I took, okay, let, I, I had one little drink and a bunch of ibuprofen, which I know is not a heavy medication, but I took a lot of it, so. I mean, I'm sitting here, I finally did wine instead of just wine coolers, because that wasn't doing anything, because of course it's not doing anything, that's dumb, so I went back to wine, <laughs> and now I'm feeling it, so I, I'm with you, I'm struggling. Feeling it, Mr. Krabs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't know if I can read the rest of this. Your eyes crossing. But I'll, I'll, oh god, yeah. A sorcerer once asked King Vikramaditya, sorry if I fucked that up, to capture a Vitala <laughs> who lived in a tree that stood in the middle of a cremation ground. The only way to do that was by keeping silent. Every time the king caught the Vitala, the Vitala would enchant the king with a story that would end with a question. No matter how hard he tried, the king would not be able to resist answering the question. This would enable the Vitala to escape and return to his tree. The stories of the Vitala have been compiled in a book. So there's like a whole collection of these. Ooh. Yeah. Dang. Some are obviously like mischievous like that. And then some are awful like causing miscarriages and killing children. So. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> in Indian lore, Vitala is a type of ghoul or vampire haunting cemeteries and reanimating the dead. They may be used as vehicles for movement as they no longer decay while they're inhabited. So that's why I'm like, okay, they're zombies. Like, that's kind of what... But I know there are spirits in them, so it's not exactly like the same thing. But, like, if you were to look at them, you would think... I could... Yeah, I could almost see that as our next horror zombie movie. Like I know! This thing is bringing spirits back. Well, maybe we... There is one, and we just don't know it because it's foreign. Wait, wait, wait. 
I have to look. I'm gonna look. Movie about Vitala. The Vitala is a TV series from 2009 to Vitala, official Netflix trailer, April 2020. Bitchin'. Vital TV series. I mean, yeah, there are some things. Meet Dracula's Indian ancestor, Vitala. Okay, I mean, there are some... There are some things that have been in the works. It looks like Netflix is doing something or did something that flew under the radar that maybe I didn't know about. So interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. They live in stones scattered around hills inside or surrounding cemeteries. So yeah, that's the Vitala. So they're more demon-y, but it, they're just, I mean, really, they're just spirits stuck between here and there. Yeah, hmm. they're not really gods. So, but I found them interesting, and I found them, and I wanted to share them. So that's that. No, I thought that was cool. Yeah. All right. Bear with me on my next one because this is my longest one, and I'm struggling. <laughs> Kristen's drunk. <laughs> <laughs> she indeed is. All right, class. Apep, the Lord of Chaos. Ah, oh, my bitch. <laughs> Apep was seen as a giant snake or serpent, leading to such titles as Serpent from the Nile and Evil Dragon, or even a crocodile. Some al- some- <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I literally don't know how to say this word! Oh my god, but it's one I know! Oh shit. Oh god, it's through here a lot! Oh no! Well, uh, elaborated, elaborated. I elaborated. got it. Thank the Lord. Oh my fuck you! <laughs> Shush. I'm sorry. I'll mute myself so you can just do this. <laughs> <laughs> Who I'm crying. Some elaborations said that he stretched 16 yards in length and had a head made of flint. The few descriptions of Apep's origin and myth usually demonstrate. That it was born after Ra, usually from his umbilical cord, which is Ra again. <laughs> yep, he's everywhere. Combined with its absence from Egyptian creation myths, this has been interpreted as suggesting that Apep was not a primordial force in Egyptian theology, but a consequence of Ra's birth. Tales of Apep's battles against Ra were elaborated during the New Kingdom. Storytellers said that every day Apep must lay below the horizon and not persist in the mortal kingdom. This appropriately made him a part of the underworld. In some stories, Apep waited for Ra in a western mountain called Baku, where the sun set, and in others, Apep lurked just before dawn in the tenth region of the night. The wide range of Apep's possible locations gained him the title World Encircler. It was thought that his terrifying roar would cause the underworld to rumble. Myths sometimes say that Apep was trapped there because he had been the previous chief god overthrown by Ra, or because he was evil and had been imprisoned. The coffin texts imply that Apep used a magical gauze to overwhelm Ra and his entourage. Ra was assisted by a number of defenders who traveled with him, including Set and possibly the Eye of Ra. Apep's movements were thought to cause earthquakes, and his battles with Set may have been meant to explain the origin of thunderstorms. In one account, Ra himself defeats Apep in the form of a cat. Ra's victory each night was thought to be ensured by the prayers of the Egyptian priests and worshippers at temples. The Egyptians practiced a number of rituals and superstitions that were thought to ward off Apep and aid Ra in continuing his journey across the sky. 
In an annual rite called the Banishing of Chaos, priests would build an effigy of Apep that was thought to contain all the evil and darkness in Egypt and burn it to protect everyone from Apep's evil for another year. The Egyptian priests had a detailed guide to fighting Apep, referred to as the Books of Overthrowing Apep. The chapters described a gradual process of dismemberment and disposal and include sitting, spitting upon Apep, defiling Apep with the left foot, taking a lance to smite Apep, fettering Apep, taking a knife to smite Apep, putting fire upon Apep. In addition to stories about Ra's victories, this guide had instructions for making wax models or small drawings of the serpent, which would be spat on, mutilated, and burnt, whilst reciting spells that would kill Apep, which sounds a lot like, you know, voodoo hoodoo stuff, like a voodoo doll to me. Fearing that even the image of Apep could give power to the demon, any rendering would always include another deity, deity to subdue the monster. As Apep was thought to live in the underworld, he was sometimes thought of as an eater of souls. Thus, the dead also needed protection, so they were sometimes buried with spells that could destroy Apep. So he was just everywhere. Apep. <laughs> Fucking A. <laughs> <laughs> fucking hey Apep again. I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> God damn. I'm sorry. Ooh. You did it. I need some water. If you're in your car, God please dang. clap for Kristen. Thank you. I know somebody did. Somebody out there went. Good job, Kristen. You did it. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. You're welcome. <laughs> and raw. You said raw and Apep, and now I'm triggered. Yep, he's everywhere. I know. Yeah. Yeah, so again, Egypt. I mean, imagine, first of all, they could have been right. Second of all, if they weren't, I just can't imagine being the first of anything or like early anything and having to like make things up for things happening. You know what I mean? Right. To be the first one to come up with our origin story. Yeah. And first of all, so creative, you know? (laughs) <laughs> right? Like props to them. Or maybe it was all true. Maybe it was. You never know. Just saying. Yeah. So this one is called Gong Gong. And no, I didn't make that up. It is the English translation for a Chinese water god who is depicted in Chinese mythology and folktales as having a copper human head with an iron forehead red hair and the body of a serpent or a human head and torso with the tail of a serpent so snake body human head wild red hair just think of it like that I mean, definitely an asian culture deity yeah yeah i like that i know it's kind of hard to picture but it looks it kind of looks like one of the dragons in the chinese new year parade with it but with mm-hmm. like that's what i kind of a more humanized head than like the dragon head you know Mm-hmm. He is destructive and is blamed for various cosmic catastrophes. In all accounts, Gong Gong ends up being killed or sent into exile, usually after losing a struggle with another major deity, such as the fire god, Zurong, I think is how you say that. Gong Gong is known from the late Warring States period. Gong Gong appears in the ancient Heavenly Questions poem of the Chi Chu, where he is blamed for knocking the Earth's axis off center, causing it to tilt to the southeast and the sky to tilt to the northwest. The axial tilt is used to explain why the rivers of China generally flow to the southeast, especially the Yangtze River and the Yellow River, and why the sun, moon, and stars move towards the northwest. 
So he's blamed for basically knocking the earth over. <laughs> he is credit. He's a bull in a china shop. Wow. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> Like he's rambunctious, so he knocked the world yes! over. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, God. I'm crying now. <laughs> <laughs> I knew Gong Gong was going to be a disaster from the start. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I fucking made it through, bitch. <laughs> I'm not even you done yet. I'm shit. not even done yet. Gong Gong's not done yet. Okay. 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 I'm sorry. <sighs> okay. Go. All right. <clears throat> He was credited in various mythological contexts as being responsible for great floods, often in cons con concert. Concert, yeah, it's, it's concert. With his minister, Zhang Zhlu. Oh my god, I'm gonna be slaughtered. <laughs> who was nine? Who was nine heads and the body of a snake? Gong Gong was ashamed that he lost the fight with the Chinese god of fire to claim the throne of heaven. In a fit of rage, he smashed his head against Bujo Mountain. I'm sorry if I said that wrong as well. One of eight pillars holding up the sky, greatly damaging it and causing the sky to tilt towards northwest. So that's basically how he knocked it over, which caused great floods and great suffering. So he got mad because he's a man and he knocked over the world. <laughs> as they yep. do. As they do. <laughs> As we are yeah. seeing once again. And you know what's funny? Uh, this isn't part <laughs> of his story, but a goddess fixed it. So. I'm just saying. A woman fixed a man's mistake and fixed the world. Y'all need us because you fuck everything. <laughs> Never mind. All right. You have one more? And yes, I have one more. So I don't care who goes next, but. All right. I will go because I have OCD and that is a pattern. All right. Paquette. And I really wanted to talk about this one because it has a little something to do with my favorite pharaoh of all time, who was a female pharaoh whose name is Hatshepsut, and I love her so much. Shout out. Shout out. <laughs> I expected to laugh and I'm like, are you there? <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> I thought I was funny. <laughs> Crickets. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Pocket is likely to be a regional lioness deity, goddess of the mouth of the Wadi, related to those that hunted in the Wadi near water at the boundary of the desert. Another title is She Who Opens the Ways of the Stormy Rains, which probably relates to the flash, flash floods in the narrow valley that occur from storms in the area. It became said that rather than a simple domestic protector against vermin and venomous creatures or a fierce warrior, she was a huntress, perhaps as a caracal, which is a little cat thing that they had in Egypt who wandered the desert alone at night looking for prey, gaining the title Night Huntress with sharp eye and pointed claw. 
This desert aspect led to her being associated with desert storms. The most famous temple of Paquette was an underground cavernous shrine that was built by Hatshepsut near Almanay. Among 39 ancient tombs of Middle Kingdom not nom nomarchs? I don't know what that, that is. Of the Orcs Gnome, who governed from Hebenum in an area where many quarries exist. This is the middle of Egypt, on the east bank of the Nile. A tomb on the east bank is not traditional, the west was, but the terrain to the west was most difficult. A more ancient temple to this goddess at the location is known, but has not survived. Hatshepsut is known to have restored temples in this region that have been damaged by the Hycosis invaders. So, my girl was fixing some temples around there. I love that. Yeah, because, you know, we fix stuff. Exactly. Because her little bitch-ass husband wanted to off her because he wanted to be big man in charge, but she was fucking getting shit done. Alright. Its remarkable catacombs have been excavated. Great numbers of mummified cat cats have been found buried there. Many are thought to have been brought great distances to be buried ceremonially during rituals at the cult center, which I love! That means people love their cats. Yeah. Her hunting nature led to the Greeks, who later occupied Egypt, Egypt for 300 years, identifying Paquette with Artemis. Consequently, this underground temple became known as the Sipos Artemodos, the Cave of Artemis, a name that persists even though Artemis is not an Egyptian goddess. The Greeks attempted to align the Egyptian deities with their own while retaining the traditions of the Egyptian religion. Hatshepsut and her daughter, Nefiru, have been identified as the builders of a smaller temple dedicated to Paquette nearby, which was defaced by subsequent pharaohs. It was completed during the reign of Alexander II and is now called Sipsos Batan el Bakra. We did so good. Thank you. I'm so I made I'm it. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Yeah, you barely stuttered at all. Not, Goddamn. not that there's anything wrong with stuttering. I'm just saying, like especially drunk, you made it. Thanks. And you can just now enjoy your drink because you're done reading things. I know. It's so nice. Did you find anything new out about Egypt or did you know all of those things? I didn't know any of those things. Oh, that must have been really fun for you then. It really was, actually, yeah. Is this? What's your favorite... I know we're not done yet, but like, since I'm asking, what's your favorite happy hour of like research that you've done so far? Shit. I'm a little psychopath. I might actually say serial killers. Yeah. Eesh. Hey, man. That's okay. That They're fun. <laughs> no, it's just one of those interesting things that I like researching, like, true crime, and I'm more into serial killers, and that was really fun to learn more of them. But... That's good. Don't I... What about you? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> God. I don't even... Ouija boards. Okay, yeah, that one was super fun because we had a lot of, like, personal people's experiences on that one. That's I really enjoy the ones where people send us stuff. That one, those always are super fun. But mm -hmm. honestly, I don't know. I I forget sometimes what we do. <laughs> so yeah, we, we do a lot. Do a lot. <laughs> exactly. I liked the Christmas one a lot because we just seem to laugh a lot at that one. I thought that one was fun. Yeah, we were losing it when we were talking about all the weird little Santa things. Yeah. Creepy Santa things. That one was a lot of fun. The Exorcisms one was super spooky for me, but also it was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. 
And then I know that it's been a while, but it's super relevant. If you're kind of new, we actually, I think it was our second Haunted Happy Hour. We did a Haunted Happy Hour on plagues through history. So. Yeah, that one was really fucking interesting to me and made me cry. Well, I think we both kind of cried and now we're in a pandemic. So if you want to hear some history on plagues and pandemics, it's called Haunted by the Hundreds. You can go. It's like our second Haunted Happy Hour. All right. Enough of the shameless plug. <laughs> Last one I have is a Japanese deity. Which you actually also knew of this one. Because we both had it on our list. And I'm the one that gets to talk about it. So <laughs> I hope I live up to what you would have done as well. But if you think of anything that you would have also said, feel free. Izanami no Mikoto. In Japanese mythology, Izanami no Mikoto is a deity of both creation and death. Izanami was charged by the gods with creating the first land and to help her and her male counterpart to do this, they were given spears decorated with jewels called heavenly spears. There's a word for that in Japanese. I didn't know it, so I didn't write it down. They went on to the bridge between heaven and earth. The floating bridge is what it's called. And they churned the sea below with the spear. The two, her and her male deity counterpart, wished to be mated. Izanami greeted him first during the ceremony, and while he thought this was inappropriate, he agreed anyway, and they were married. They had children together, but the children were born deformed and were not considered to be deities. They put the children onto a boat and set them out to sea and asked the gods what they did wrong. They were told that the male deity should have spoken first to the female during the marriage ceremony. So they redid the ceremony and their marriage was successful. From their new union, the great eight islands were born. She had several more children and eventually died giving birth to the incarnation of fire. Which, yeah, fair. Fire! Fire. (laughs) Fucking killed her. (laughs) (laughs) Which, you know, if you're going to give birth to anything, yeah, it's probably fire that's going to kill you. Yeah, probably. After her death, her husband undertook a journey to the underworld, found her, and asked her to return with him. She told him he was too late, she could not return to the living, but would ask for permission to leave. But before he left, he saw the form of his once beautiful wife. She was now a rotting form of flesh with maggots and creatures running over a decaying body. He gross. Yep. He could not control his fear and he ran from her, intending to never return and to forget about her. Which a woman scorned, you know. (laughs) She chased after him shrieking. She also sent what translates from Japanese to foul women to hunt for him and bring him back. So foul women from the underworld went running after him too. He burst out of the underworld and wedged a boulder between the land of the living and the underworld so that she could not break through to him. She screamed from behind the barrier that if he left her, she would destroy 1,000 residents of the living world every single day. Damn. She pissed. Yep. And that's why she's spooky because she was like, I'm going to kill 1,000 people a day. And he basically countered with, then I will create 1,500 a day. But that doesn't mean that the 1,000 people that die just get to come back. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that's cool for the 1,500 babies that get to be born. But what about the 1,000 people she's fucking murdering every day? Because you 
I mean, you just should have never gone down there, homie. Men. I mean, at least he was like, I miss my wife. I'm going to go get her out of the underworld. But, you know. You get all or nothing, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) You you get what you get at that point, fam. You should have just taken her with you because you're getting maggots (laughs) and all. You don't get to pick and choose. It's like, you know, you get what you get. Like, she's not beautiful anymore because she is in the underworld. Like, live with it, you know? You get what you... That's your wife. You brought this upon yourself. I don't know what Japanese marriage vows are like, but we like in sickness and in health until death. Like, you know what I mean? She's sick. You know, you just get maggots or... She's sick. (laughs) Technically, she's dead. And it said till death do it. I don't know. But, you know, deities may be different. Like, you know... I don't know. If you can go to the underworld to bring her back, you bring her back in whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like, get your lady. Who else are you going to marry? They literally made you for her and her for you. You know what I mean? That's true. Get the fuck over You don't have anybody else. You have to to kiss it with maggots and everything. I'm sorry, but that's that. You know, (laughs) and that puts into perspective you know your wife puts on weight it could be worse it could be maggots i'm just saying you fucking deal with it you say you look pretty at least you're not fucking rotting flesh you know (laughs) and finally i literally when you google scariest gods throughout history you know what the first one that comes up it just says god and i'm like bet you're fucking yeah it's fuck yeah yeah, it is. And it's yeah. on the Old Testament. So, yeah. You got all these Egyptian gods, all these Norse gods, all these Greek gods, all these Japanese gods. And you know what's scarier than all of them? The fucking Christian god. I'm just saying. The Catholic god, the Jewish god, it's all the same god. It's fucking terrifying. <laughs> yeah. And that's on Tracks. my childhood trauma. Jesus Christ. Nobody caused that mm-hmm. trauma. It was just like, they were like, God gave his only son to die. And I was like, why? He had the power to forgive us himself. He didn't need to sin. I'm just saying, a guy down to die on the cross. And some Christians are coming for me today. But I'm just saying, <laughs> why do we have to do all that? You know what I mean? If he really wanted to forgive all of us, he fucking could have said, Done. I gave you free will. You're going to sin. I forgive you. We didn't need a Messiah to die on the cross. I'm just saying. (laughs) And that's on drinking. (laughs) Look, and and me as like a four-year-old. That's Amanda on religion. Yeah. You know, and you... Me going up there to listen to these stories. There are pictures of me. So I was... Okay. Raised Presbyterian and then Methodist when we moved. We didn't like the Presbyterian church to where we moved. Methodist is pretty close close to Presbyterian. Close enough, right? So they just do things a little bit different. So in the Presbyterian church I was raised in, they did this thing. I don't remember what it was called. But basically they would do a part of the main sermon where the kids would go up and they would do like a little five minute kid story and then if you were not enough young enough you would leave and then you would go do your own kid thing while your parents sat there and listened to the adult sermon because you know kids get bored and they fucking zone out and they misbehave so you had your own little kids thing For sure. mm-hmm. yeah yeah so i'd go up there and i'd listen to these fucking stories and it's like the flood and the fucking and moses and all this shit and i'm like jesus fucking there's a tornado of fire a what? Mm-hmm. A who? 
and who died because of what? And they did what? Excuse me? And y'all worshiping this guy? For what? Right? You're not worshiping him because you love him. You're worshiping him because you're scared to go to hell. That's all I saw. I was four. Well, I guess you're right. Like, I mean, when you think of Christianity, that's how people use it. Yeah. Well, and then and then I would bring that up even as a child. And then, of course, in middle school, it was you're being combative and rebellious. No, I literally don't understand. Like, no, it's God is love and Jesus is love. And I'm like, OK, he might love you, but it was it. He didn't love you enough because he fucking wiped you out. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I know that that's not the point. And then we have the whole New Testament, which is like rainbow, sunshine, roses and all that shit. But I'm just saying, like, it literally scared scared me out of religion. Like, God scared me out of the church and also Christians. But that's another story for another day. If I was to ever return to Christianity, it would not be to church. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. I don't need somebody yeah. to come save my soul, by the way. I'm fine. But I'm just saying, <laughs> like, it wouldn't be... like Because we've had a lot of conversations because you're born Catholic and you still, to some extent, you know, are. You are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, I'm not going to speak for you, but, like, we've talked about it. Yeah. And, like, it just scared the shit out of me. But that's also why I struggle so much with it because when you're raised like that from literally birth, it's not like you just decide one day at least for me, like, I don't believe in that. That's something you struggle with for the rest of your life, at least for me. Like, I will always struggle with that, so. No, I I still do. I even told you the other day that a few things have come up recently that are making me question religion, and I'm, like, I'm dropping it forever, and that's not me. I will constantly question it. Yeah. Because I still am Catholic at heart, because I still believe the good parts of that stuff, and the tradition and that is ingrained in me but I don't know how deeply I feel about it anymore exactly and I think that's the thing like I when you raise a child in religion and then when they are there are a lot of kids and even adults and I am this is not a bad thing in my opinion and I am not calling anybody out for this but that just go through their whole lives and they never question it ever and Right. That is wonderful and I envy it. Honest, like I truly do. This is not me trying to sound pretentious at all. Like I truly because I this has caused me to stay up at night worried about heaven and hell and where am I going? Like I I'm just trying to live the best life I can while I'm here, but if that's not enough, like that's fucked in my opinion. Like I just try to be kind and compassionate and empathetic and Mm -hmm. just on a daily basis and like if that's not enough but there are people that don't have to that can be horrible and demeaning and but go to church on Sunday and repent and then be better than me when it comes down to it like I just have such a problem with that you know what I mean well I mean not to god damn this is gonna be really bad but to bring it around to politics that's exactly what's going on there too these are all high up men who are just being told that if you just repent you're allowed to do whatever you want that's happening everywhere yeah on an island you know (laughs) that that is why you know church and state aren't supposed to 
mix is for that reason right there. Yeah, and so that's why, you know, it's it's just so difficult. And for me to, it just always has been, as literally as far back as I can remember. And whenever I questioned it, it was seen more as like, stop being like rebellious, you know, and and it's like no i'm not i'm not trying to be rebellious i literally just am trying to understand god it was scary to me the prince of egypt did not move me it scared me it was mm-hmm. so the plagues that movie was terrifying to me so maybe you don't let your kids watch it i don't know <laughs> like you might be sh- think you're showing them like a cool amazing religious movie that's going going to coincide greatly with what you're teaching them and it might just actually make them agnostic like it did me <laughs> so i don't know you know but it's unfortunate like if you're struggling with religion i'm sorry because that sucks that's really tough like chris and i are here to say i'm sorry because that's tough mm-hmm. like it's such a core thing you know to end up struggling with when you're an adult especially like i don't personally at this point in my life want children but what if what when you what about when you have children what do you do yeah i don't know i don't know i don't know either i have no idea right now because honestly right now i really respect my pope and i really think that he's gonna do great things for my religion so maybe when i have kids in it it might be awesome but i don't know right now do i want to make that decision I also think it depends on the individual like church establishment that you're part of big time. And that too. Cause that too. Like, you know, even my, I'm sorry if she doesn't want me to mention this, but like even my mom, like the church that we grew up in, she felt like it was so cliquish. And so did I like, yeah. you know, we couldn't, we didn't really feel like we belonged in like the groups that they maintained, which is yep. unfortunate. So I've had that as well. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm definitely not putting you down if you're a Christian or, you know, Muslim, Jewish. I don't give a shit. But I admire you if you are steadfast in your faith because that is one of the hardest things to be because it's never been me because I just have so many questions and fear. That's never been me either. I've always looked at the Bible as just these cool stories. Yeah. I've never looked at it as real or anything like that. Anything that they tell me in church I'm always like oh yeah that's something a guy wrote so fucking long ago that that's just a a story in a book well and they've been changed for political reasons along the way and people have to understand that and they don't especially like Mm -hmm. I'm sure all over but where I was raised in the south they used it basically to berate people with it and it's like you realize that things that were said then don't have the same meaning now and they also the words have been changed for certain people's opinions because for example one of the biggest things is and you can look this up on your own if you don't believe me but a man shall not lie with a man the same way he lies with a woman actually used to say a child so be gay if you want to be gay ain't a sin baby yeah but yet once again we have pedophiles in all branches of the world that that's okay well, because they changed it because they wanted to be with yeah. that trigger warning. I'm sorry. It's late. <laughs> they <laughs> they wanted to be with children. So they were like, nah, let's change that to gay because that's fucked up in our opinion. But you know what? Nah, let's you know what? I th- th- Those things have been changed. So I think that you can take the teachings and the thematic elements of the Bible. But, you know, don't beat people with it. That's fucked like 
you know that don't that's why people stay away from it and Mm -hmm. so you know we kind of figured it would go this direction because it always does (laughs) (laughs) correct and these are just our opinions and your opinions can be completely different from ours and we respect yours like i said if you are a steadfast christian First of all, we have an E rating, so I'm confused as to why you like us, but I appreciate it. (laughs) Like, I really do. Like, I appreciate you, (laughs) and you must have an open mind if you listen to us. So, good on you, dude. But I don't disrespect Christian. I disrespect specific Christian behaviors from specific people. I do not respect, disrespect it as, like, an institution. I don't disrespect religion as as an institution any religion it's just i have tr- i have issues with it personally you know but right that's all i got <laughs> same yeah we drank and talked too much and if i get a one star after this because i ran my mouth i'm sorry Kristen. that's my bad <laughs> you're good i went along with you that's probably not the smartest i'll i'll listen to it and see how bad it is i promise you know what I don't give a single fuck. This is our podcast, baby. <laughs> if we get a All right. one one star, I'm going to blast it. I'm going to be like, somebody gave us a one star for talking about religion. And I just want you to know you're a piece of shit. And I bet you're one of them Christians that picks people out for being gay. So, <laughs> bye, bitch. <laughs> oh, my God. I love that. I want you to record it just like that and send them a video one <laughs> I'll put it on her Instagram and be like, listen up. I got something to say. <laughs> exactly. Oh, God, that's funny. I'm going to go eat my Qdoba. Well, thank you guys for hanging out with us. And if you stayed through the ranty rants of the episode, <laughs> you a real one. Thank and you. And the blooper reel at the end. The blooper reel. Listen, that's why people <laughs> don't. That's why people are here. That's the real reason. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Gods, get to the drunk stuff. We'll skip all the way to the end. Uh, True. Yeah, that's why people really listen. They're like, horror movies, blah, blah, blah. What about the stuff when you go off script? That's what we want. We don't have a script, but you know. You get more of this stuff if you're a patron. I'm just saying. <laughs> extrasisters.com. Wait, no. Patreon.com slash the extra sisters. We do have a website though. It's extrasisters.com. That's actually a thing. I never plug it. And also Facebook and Instagram. We are the Extra Sisters Podcast. Twitter is at the Extra Sisters. Because I just had to make that one different. And it, it's a pain in the ass every time I plug it. So I may change it. I don't know. I don't know if I can do that. But uh, thank you so much for hanging out with us. We really appreciate you and your opinions. Hopefully you appreciate ours. And if I see one star, I swear to God. <laughs> Your turn. I'm dying. Do you want me to do it this time or what? <laughs> Stop it, I'll get there. Okay. <sighs> Until next time, stay creepy. <laughs> you did it.